I'm very grateful for the messages that the Lord speaks through me. It's, it's very funny. Every Saturday, I just pour out what he gives. Every Sunday, I have no clue what he wants to talk about the following Saturday. Uh, but one thing that the Lord gave me when I first became a rabbi, which is now approaching six years, when I realized I'd have to go in front of the same audience every week and say something, um, I said, Adonai, what in the world do I have to talk about <laughs> every week? I barely have anything to say to anyone. I'm kind of a, more of a quiet personality. And God gave me an answer. He said that, well, I'm always talking to you. I'm always working on you on something. Like, there's a whole lot in you, he's talking to me, that needs help, that needs my help. So whatever I'm, I'm talking to you about you, just say that. And maybe people will relate to it or maybe not, but you're not here for the people you hear from me anyway. Don't minister to humans because humans can never be ministered to. Our flesh cannot be ministered to. But the Spirit of God within us is activated by the Spirit of God. So focus on ministering to the Spirit of God. And he'll do what he does within the humans. And I'm very blessed on a weekly basis if God gives me some great revelation from the Torah, some unique revelation that maybe people haven't heard before, some, some, some revelation from the Hebrew or from the Parsha, and segue it into something that's practical in our lives. Very blessed when he gives me a word like that. Well, today... The word is not anything to do with the Torah. The word today is about the game. Of operation. Now, I can't believe that they still sell this thing. I remember playing it as a seven-year-old in Long Island. Now, I didn't even know that this guy has a name. Does anybody know the name of this guy? Cavity Sam. Cavity Sam. Peter knows. <laughs> Cavity Sam. Now, I thought it was Cavity Joe, but I think you're right. It's Cavity Sam. Isn't it? Is there everybody who has never seen this game before? Anybody's never seen it? You've seen it before. You've never seen it before, Susan. Okay. This game is from, like, the 60s. There are, like, black and white commercials so you could see on YouTube these days. Like I said, I used to play it as a, as a kid in the early 70s in Long Island. And the, 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 the strategy in the game is, is poor Cavity Sam here has got a bunch of ailments within him. So I got the broken heart and an apple in his throat. I guess that's the Adam's apple. And 
a pencil in his hand. I guess that's writer's cramp. And a little bucket of water in the knee. Okay, water in the knee. I get it. Things like that. And the goal is to take these little tweezers and try to get these things out. You pick a card and it tells you what to do. And you, you, you try to get this thing out. But if you touch the side, this happens. So I'm trying to get, well, everything is pushed down. It's really hard to get. But like I try to get the little wrench in his ankle. I guess he's wrenched his foot, you know, already lost. So you can't activate this thing because that'll happen. I think I, I might need a help. Do I have a helper today? Anybody that wants to help? Come on, Chris, you can do it. Come on, Chris. So, Chris, mm -hmm. when you stand over here, okay. now, you're going to have to kind of read my mind. Do you think you can read my mind? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Right. So, when, I, when, you, when, when my mind wants you to just buzz it, okay. I'm going to need you to buzz it. Can you try, just try to buzz it to see what happens? Okay. <laughs> All right. That's good. So, what's the revelation in the, ca in the operation game with Cavity Sam? We all have little ailments within us. And God is the great surgeon. He's the great physician, as it says. Do you know that the Bible does not say great physician? It's one of those terms that has become commonplace in Christianity. But there's no place in Scripture that says he is the great physician. Yes, really. It talks about him. You know, he says that um, the, the sick need a physician, and I didn't come for the healthy, I came for the sick. But the term, quote-unquote, like he is or Jesus is the great physician, is not in Scripture. You can prove me wrong. The Lord our healer. Yep, the Lord our healer. Oh, yeah. The, oh, he's our healer. He's our physician. There's many verses that speak of that. But the term, the great physician, is not in Scripture. And it's funny how we use it very often. But anyway, the great physician, the great surgeon, is very faithful to remove things within us. Like if we have ailments within us, we always seek Adonai, help me with you know, my, my, my pencil in my wrist. Or Lord, help me with the horse on my knee. Oh God, I have a funny bone in my elbow. No, 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 I got it. I'll tell him. I'll point to him. So we're very good at telling the Lord, Lord, we need help. We need help. I have a family issue. I need help. I have a finance issue. I need help. I have a, a, a problem with my health. I need help. I deny I need help. So we're good at identifying the apple, the spare rib, the funny, the wishbone, the bread, the horse. We're good at recognizing the different things within us that need to be removed. But we're not very good at recognizing that we have this. Try it, Chris. Anyone, just make it go by. We have that within us. Thank you, Chris. You did great.
Because <laughs> we are friends forever, Chris. Because we can remove things, and God can remove things. But we have things within us that are invisible, that make us go. Somebody talks to us a certain way. Somebody looks at us a certain way. Somebody calls us a name. He said, what to me? Somebody cut me off on the road. That's... There's a, there's a term, pushing our buttons. The term pushing our buttons means that somebody has done something that caused an emotional reaction, usually an angry reaction or a, a defensive reaction or an offended reaction. And God, who is faithful to remove the butterfly in our stomach, is also faithful to remove this when we ask. And I will tell you right now that he may remove the butterfly in your stomach or heal you of that apple in your throat. But if he does not heal you of when this happens in you, when somebody offends you and pushes your button, see, I couldn't do that in the game in the 70s. Now they actually have a button. You are only partially healed. And if I could be prophetic in a moment, we are in a season where the spirit of the air is wanting everybody to be offended, to have offense. And it wants to separate the body of Messiah through being offended. What did you say? And in this day, God is looking for an unoffendable body. He's looking for an unoffendable body. So if you have something within you where somebody says something that makes you go like this, things that make you go... You know the song, Things That Make You Go, hmm? That sort of like means that there's something that's uh, thoughtful or thought-provoking, things that make you go, hmm. Today I want to talk about the things that make you go. Are you with me? Do you understand? Now, there are countless things that can make us go, that rub us the wrong way that get us agitated. People look at us or say things or do things. Or say, there's a million things that, that can cost us. Normally when somebody does something that we would just never do, how can that person do such a thing? But often, I have found, if there is something that makes you do this, things that make you go buzz, it has more to do with you than it has to do with the person. And it's not that the person treated you kindly, and it's not that the person was right, but God is bringing it to your attention to heal this, not to heal the other person. God will deal with the other person. But he's bringing it to your attention to expose that you have this, 
so he can deal with that and set you free. There are many things that can cause us to go buzz like that, and it's from a place of brokenness, and it's a place of, 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 of sickness, a place that needs healing within us. Here's a very hypothetical situation, uh, hypothetical, yeah, hypothetical circumstance. So Eric is an accomplished singer. Eric has always been a really good singer since he was a child. Eric's brother, Joe, is also a singer. Now, Eric happens to be very shy. He just has a more shy personality. He's very good at singing. But if somebody says, hey, let's sing a song, Eric is not the first one to say, I'll do it. But his brother, Joe, who's not even as good a singer, is very quick to be the life of the party. And Eric, when growing up, was always outstaged by his unreserved brother Joe. And now Eric, as an adult, whenever he sees somebody who's very outward with their expression and confident in their gifts, this happens to Eric. Why? because he has a wound within him from his childhood that needs healing. And Eric is quick to cast the judgment on the, how can that person be so cocky and conceited and be such a showboat? It's righteousness to be shy and to not be so quick to present your talents. Look at that person. Do you understand what I'm saying? Is he right? Or does he have a place that needs to be healed? He's got a place that needs to be healed. And we all have that. This can come in many, many forms and fashions. If people just do things that you would never do. You could be a very productive person. You want to just be, get the most out of every day. Every, day, every minute you have planned. And you, and you happen to be married to somebody who's lazy. Or it's the opposite. You happen to be a person who just, you know, likes to just veg out a little bit and not be, you know, constantly productive, but your spouse is always trying to get stuff done. Do you understand? Susie and I deal with that a little bit because I'm like, she, Susie's always telling, will you stop project managing me? I'm not like a consultant at work, a contractor. Just leave me alone. People, when they, when they speak against your worldview, your social views, your political views, it has nothing to do with right or wrong. Nor am I saying that people are right all the time and whoever they treat you is right. But when you have this, God is looking to bring healing to you, to bring healing to you. And he will continue to bring that into your life. Offense, offense, offense is something that God wants to heal us of. He wants an unoffendable body in this day. And the spirit of offense is risen up in this world. 
where it has become righteousness to be offended. And everybody has to tiptoe around everybody's triggers. You trigger me. Okay, I'll stop. And you know what? There's righteousness in doing that as well. I had to learn that as a rabbi. Scripture says don't make people stumble. Don't put stumbling blocks in front of people. I had to learn that quickly as a rabbi. You know, in, in my personal life, you know, I, I may throw out uh, a, a word of, you know, that has four letters in it. Rarely, of course. Extremely rarely. Maybe a little more than extremely rarely. rarely. No, no, no. I'm going to leave it to you to figure out. So all of a sudden, I was very new to being a rabbi. And somebody here emailed me something that I forgot to do something. And I responded in the email, WTF! I just wrote the letters. I didn't spell it out. I wrote the letters. And this person responded to me in email and said harshly, don't you ever, ever curse in front of me again. I am very offended by cursing. It is not appropriate for somebody in the body of Messiah. And my reaction was, what? Until I took a step back and said, it is not worth making somebody stumble over a small thing. And I'm just not going to use any profanity. I'm going to stop. I had to do the same thing with secular music. Because every now and again, secular music kind of speaks to me spiritually. My first day of being a rabbi, first day of being a rabbi, I'm working on the sermon at home, and I'm nervous because, like, it's my first day. I'm going to give a sermon. I didn't know if it was good or bad, if it came from the Lord, it came from the flesh, all of these things that we struggle with that I don't struggle with anymore, thank God. And I was like, Adonai, is this from you? I just feel so bad. Is the, is the burden, is the, is the fire, the passion I feel in my heart about what I'm going to share? Is that just my flesh? Is it you? You know what song came to me? I don't even like the song. Close your eyes. Give me your hand. Do you feel my heart beating? Do you understand? Do you feel the same? Am I only dreaming? Or is this burning an eternal flame? Because I felt that an eye say, close your eyes, give me your hand. And I gave my hand to the Lord. And he put my hand on my own heart. And he said, do you feel my heart beating? Do you understand? Do you feel the same? You get it? So I used to, you know, we used to play secular songs here as worship songs all the time. 
Doom, we got it together, baby. Doom, 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 doom. I mean, my first, my last, my everything by Barry White. Yeshua is the first and the last. My first, my last, my everything. How perfect. You and I can make a pact. We must bring salvation. Yeshua. Just call my name and I'll be there. I used to do it all the time. Is there anything that you want? Is there anything I can do? Just call on me and I'll send it along with love from me to you. I got arms that long to hold you. Anyway, you get the point. Until people just to get really offended and say, why are you picking secular songs? I get what you're doing, but those songs are of the world. There's millions of good worship songs. And I felt, and Susie felt, you know what? As much as we speak about that, it's offending too many people. It's not worth putting a stumbling block. Because if people are coming and they're getting offended where they can't receive what God has because of the song selection, I don't need to do that but you have to be a little bit wise with that also when you're kind of tiptoeing around other people's little things because you're not supposed to put stumbling blocks before the blind. You're not supposed to put stumbling blocks in front of people. But I'll tell you what needs a stumbling block. That little offended demon within us needs to stumble over the block and conk its head unconscious. And sometimes, if you have an offended spirit, God's going to keep putting that stumbling block in front of you so the demon within you will knock itself out unconscious. Having this is not a demon. It's broken flesh, just like with Cavity Sam. But demons align itself with it and will lie to you and say this feeling is righteousness and that you're right in feeling that way and people are wrong and how dare they aggravate you that way. When the reality is God wants to break that thing within you. So I ask you today, what's the buzz in you? What's the buzz? There used to be a radio show I used to listen to in New York, 77, WABC. You New Englanders have no idea what I'm talking about with New York radio. I'll know you're a New York radio fan if you could repeat this sentence. This is 1010 wins. You give us 22 minutes. Nobody knows. (laughs) All right. New York Radio. So I used to listen to this show called What's the Buzz? It was uh, Steve Marsberg and Richard Bay. There was a Republican and Democrat. They used to kind of duke it out. What's the buzz? What's the buzz? Do you know the news? Their job is to give you the buzz. They want to do this to you. The spirit that aligns with that is a spirit of division. It wants an offended body so the body will divide rather than unite.
oh my gosh, the woman, the Canaanite woman. Talk about an area that'll make you do this. Can you imagine? The Canaanite woman. Yeshua approaches a Canaanite woman. A Canaanite woman. Lord, son of David, have mercy. My daughter has a spirit, an evil spirit. Yeshua says to this Canaanite woman, I'm not going to give the children's bread, the bread that belongs to the Jews, to the Israelites. I'm not going to give that bread to the dogs. Say what? Say what? What did you just call me? Oh, Lamb of God, Prince of Peace, wonderful counselor, sweet Jesus. Did you just call me a dog? Did you just use a cultural bias? Against me? The Israelites have been calling me dogs my whole life. And you, the Messiah, the Lamb of God, the Prince of Peace, the gentle shepherd, is calling me a dog? Can you imagine if it was the opposite today? Can you imagine a Jew walks into a church because there is healing in that place and the Jew goes to the minister and and the minister says, you're Jewish? I can't give the children's bread to the dogs. Can you imagine? Get out your cell phone, man, because that will be all over the news. Inappropriate. Wouldn't it have been better if Yeshua did not speak out something that's completely culturally inappropriate and racist? Shouldn't he have used it as an opportunity to teach his disciples that she's not a dog? But what was her answer? Even the dogs get the crumbs. So give me what you have. In other words, Jesus, I don't care what you call me. I don't, you call me a piece of crap. I don't care what you call me. Call me a worm. Call me a scum of the earth. I don't care what you call me. You have the bread of life and my daughter needs healing. So call me any name you want under the book. I don't care. God is looking for a body that is that passionate. To say, I don't care what you call me. I need healing. My daughter needs healing. And Yeshua said, woman, your faith has healed your daughter. It didn't heal you. It healed your daughter. Do you see a generational curse right there? She was unoffended. Her daughter was healed. God is looking for an unoffendable body. Doesn't mean people say it right. God will deal with people. So much better than we can. No, you shouldn't have said that. Unoffendable. 
There's a part in the story of Korah. Last week's Torah portion was the, was the portion of Korah. And um, Korah and his band of rebels rebelled against Moses. And Moses' first reaction to being falsely accused. Oh, being falsely accused. You ever get falsely accused of something? You know what Yeshua said about being falsely accused? He said, blessed are those who are falsely accused. He said, rejoice, your reward is great in heaven. The prophets before you were persecuted the same way. So Moses and Aaron were falsely accused. Moses was falsely accused of elevating himself and Aaron above the other people. This is what Korah says. You're, you're elevating yourself and your brother over everybody else. And Moses went down on his face. Now, when we look at that story, we, we assume that when he went on his face, when Moses went on his face, it was because he was interceding. Is that how you see it? So they said, Moses, how dare you do this? They accused him of elevating himself over the people. And he went down on his face as his first reaction. How do you see that? Most people see it as he was interceding, saying, Father, forgive them. Forgive them, God. Forgive them, forgive them, forgive them, forgive them, forgive them. Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Forgive them, forgive them for what they're doing. Well, if you look at the ancient rabbinic commentaries on this, most people do agree that he was just interceding, saying, Father, forgive them. But there are some ancient rabbinic commentaries that say that what he was doing was being self-reflective because an accusation was brought before him. And the first reaction was to go down on his face before God and self-examine. Are they right, Adonai? Am I really elevating myself and my own brother? Search me and know my heart. Search me and know. God, reveal any wicked way within me. Am I doing anything wrong? Did I hear you incorrectly? These commentaries say he went down to look at himself before he had to get up and do this righteous anger type of thing, righteous rage type of thing. He checked his own heart. And I tell you right now, that if somebody or something makes you do this, check your own heart first. That's the homework today. Check your own heart. If somebody ticks you off and goes up you sideways and makes you go like that, and it has to do with you more so than the person. And God is looking to break that in you. So when somebody goes up you sideways, rejoice and say, thank you, Adonai, for exposing something in me that needs to be healed. Thank you, Lord, for exposing something that needs to be healed. We tend to fill in the blanks. Somebody does something, we fill in the motive. And you know what assuming does? I won't say it. Because that was part of that lesson I learned. But the rabbi um, in the congregation in New Jersey where I was saved uh, used to use a translation where in 1 Corinthians 13.5 it said, love always assumes the best in others. 
Love always assumes the good. And how about that? Fred walks past you. You say, Hi, Fred. Fred keeps walking. Pays no attention to you. (laughs) Option one. Fred hates you. Option two. Fred is very angry at you. He's got a problem with you. Option three. Fred didn't even see you. (laughs) Because he's got a lot on his mind. And it's got nothing to do with you. How often do we let this have us resolve to option one or two? Rather than just assume the best. Love assumes the best in others. And I will close with a couple of other scripture um, translations of 1 Corinthians 13, 5. Now, arguably, there are some translations that are just paraphrases, but these are various translations of one, one little part of 1 Corinthians 13, 5, not the whole not the whole, um, whole verse. Love always looks for the best. Love is not easily angered. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love is not irritable. Love is not easily provoked. Love never gets annoyed. Love does not take account of evil. Love does not blaze out in passionate anger. Love does not brood over wrongs. Love is not overly sensitive. Love is not touchy. Love does not remember the suffering that comes from being hurt by someone. Love is not quick to take offense. And love, as was used by my previous rabbi, love always assumes the good in others. Father, we thank you for this time. Father, we ask you today, right now, we ask you today, right now, Lord God, to reveal in us not just the areas we're praying for, not just our finances and things like that, and things that we can, we can touch and identify. But Lord God, we know that you are a God who is above time. You and I are above time. 
You are in all time at the same time. You have the beginning and the end before you right now, Adonai. Time is, is, is before you just as length and width is before us. Time is before you. You, Adonai, see the beginning. You're talking to Adam at the same time you're talking to us. Time is before you. And this means that you're talking to us today and you have the ability to talk to us when we were a child right now. And you have the ability to talk to us in the future right now. Because time is all before you. You are above time. You're not in time. You're above time. And because we acknowledge that, we acknowledge that you have the ability to go right now even into our childhood and speak to the child, the boy and the girl within us that was wounded and speak healing to the little boy and the little girl that's still hurt. So Father, we acknowledge you as the God that is above time. And we even ask right now in your mercy and your good pleasure, can you go speak to little Brian right now in the areas that he was hurt? Or speak to little Pamela and little Eve, little Elena and little Mark, little Paul, little Bobby, little Susan, little Jim, little Silvana. Speak to little Jay, little Miriam, little Elaine, to little Carl. Speak to little Laura. Speak to little Peter. Speak to little Anne, little Bob, little Donna, little Kathleen. Speak right now. Speak right now to little Judy, little Chris, little Dawn, little Stephanie, little Lucille. Little Martha and little Carol. I don't know your names, but you too. How about them behind them, Peter? Do you know their names yet? Is that correct? Catherine? Carl and Catherine? Thank you, Peter. Little Carl and little Catherine. And little Susan. Because, Lord, you have the ability to do this. Father, you are a God who tends to the roots. We only see what's above ground. But you, Adonai, you see the roots. You see the root system, Adonai. And you are precise. You're not, just not, you're not like a sprinkler that just throws the water around. You are precise. So, Father, I ask you to go into each of us, Lord God. And I ask you, Adonai, to heal the areas within us that need healing. And the things that make us buzz break within us, Lord God, so we are unoffendable for you in this hour. In Yeshua's name.